Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 339 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we discussed whether my growing concerns that the information we expect to find on the internet is vanishing are warranted, or whether we are seeing just one more step in the evolution of the internet. Tom and I actually did not reach agreement on this one. In this episode, we noticed that it is getting to feel like spring out there, and for many, that means spring cleaning time. So we wanted to share some of our best tips for doing a major cleanup effort on your technology. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be sharing our best tips for doing a thorough spring cleaning of your tech. And uh, I'll be talking about whether spring cleaning is really just for spring. In our second segment, we'll discuss the cool AI or AI-like tools, uh, either now in Microsoft Office or coming to Microsoft Office how useful they might already be, and what we can expect. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, we wanted to roll up our sleeves and dig into the topic of cleaning up your tech. Uh, Just like everything you own, the technology you use won't look or work quite as well if you don't keep it clean. So we thought we'd use this episode to talk about some uh, tried and true methods for cleaning our own technology, both inside and outside. Dennis, uh, I guess, other than the fact that it's spring, what got you interested in this topic? Well, I think it comes down to this uh, one word that we're probably all very familiar with, and that's avoidance. I mean, it's so much easier to talk about this than to actually do it. Actually, I was just looking at the other spring cleaning projects that uh, I was thinking about around our apartment, and then I looked at my own desk, and I was like, uh, you know, spring cleaning begins at at home. Uh, So I think that it's, it's sort of one of those things at time, like resolutions, you know, like whether they make sense is ultimately at the beginning of the year or not, there's at least something that prompts you to that. So spring is here. And I think that for all of us, like every listener, if you take a look at, you know, the your tech setup, your the need for cleaning it and maintaining it is going to be apparent. It's uh, like finding the time, I think, and the energy in some cases is is the real trick. Well, I'm going to start out sort of by just blowing up the whole concept of spring cleaning in one respect, and that is you can choose to avoid it. And there are some things that are easier to avoid than others. And I think that what I see happen more often, if you're not keeping things tidy or neat around the area, it becomes more obvious to you um, that it's dirty. And, And those are things that I would argue Please don't wait just once a year to clean your keyboard or your monitor or other things. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But please don't just wait until right now to do that. But the other piece is is that there are other things we're going to discuss cleaning more on the inside of your computer that I feel like you don't need to wait for spring to do some of that. And I know that if I wait for spring... 
I mean, I could easily spend three f- weekends in a row doing it and I wouldn't get done with it. So instead, what do I, what I do is I do it a little chunk at a time and I have it on my to-do list. And every weekend I go and attack something that I want to keep clean and I spend maybe 15 minutes on it. I don't spend very long on it, but it's it is like pruning and uh, and it feels like I get more done than and I don't waste three weekends cleaning stuff up so that's kind of that's kind of my answer to finding the time because I don't want to have to just wait until the spring I kind of want to do it all the time well and a lot of this stuff is kind of overwhelming when you sit down and so I, I think that for me I think of uh, this spring cleaning in this sense as coming up with that plan and saying, okay, what needs to be done now to sort of triage the priorities, when you can do things. If you have something where you say, oh, I want to start tagging all, all of my files inside my folders, you got a long time of boring work ahead of you and so you just need to figure out how to parse that up and so so i for me um as i looked at this i said you know what i need to do is come up with a plan so um i'll know i know tom you've sort of forbidden us to uh to have uh, whole episodes on gpt and ai anymore and i did yet. enlist and, and yet <laughs> i did enlist my new friend gpt4 and so I created this this prompt, uh, which I think is worth worth reading, although it's a little longish. I said, I want to create a list of tasks for a comprehensive spring cleaning of my technology. Examples include actual cleaning of hardware and devices, deleting and organizing files and folders, clearing uh, space off of hard drives, getting rid of cables and chargers, organizing my technology, determining what to get rid of and replace, automating tasks, um, and the like. Generate a list of 20 categories of cleaning with five tasks for each category. Include both Mac and Windows tasks. And I had to generate the answer, and then I started putting my uh, plan together from that. So hopefully that's not too much AI for this episode, Tom. Well, I mean, since you brought it in there, I have to talk about it, too, because I took your prompt. I was intrigued. I wanted to see what kind of answer I would get, and which I assume is pretty close to the answer you would get. Um, what's interesting to me is is that I guess there are a couple things that are interesting. First is, is that ChatGPT has a character limit. And so I don't know about you, but my my list of categories ended at eight. It stopped at eight. Uh, it didn't give me 20 categories. You just, it, have to ty- you have to just type in continue. And oh, that's right. I didn't type in continue. So that's, that. yeah, that was my mistake. I was impatient and I just looked at those. I will say there's some genuinely helpful things on that list, but there are just as many things on that list that assume that you already knew how to do certain things. Like it will say, remove old cache files, um, archive or compress old files as if, oh, this is something we already know how to do. So as with everything we mention under, about ChatGPT, please understand that it is still not a substitute for good research or learning about things on your own. So don't just take that information and try to do it. It is not the be all and the end all. It is Dennis's new friend, and we will likely hear about it on many, many podcasts to come. But uh, it is still only the first step. Yeah, and, and I I totally agree because I, I think that 
in the list that was generated for me, you know, a lot of them were good. But what I like was it gave me a structure of a plan, structure of a checklist, and I could do some iteration off of it to to kind of clean up that list to come up with something. And then then I later said, like, you know, do something that would kind of schedule it on a, you know, daily, weekly and, and monthly basis. And it gives the thing I keep saying about AI to everybody who uh, – uh, who asked me about it is it's great for a first pass and a first draft, but you you, you have to work with it and and improve it. But I I, I think Tom maybe we should start where where I started, which is this um, and, uh, and and I think you made a great point on it is the a clean desk is a happy desk and and to me I don't know about you that that to me is uh, where you start look at what's right in front of you and I think the spring component is to take a look at your your whole desk setup with with some fresh eyes and say like do I have the stuff sitting where it needs to be do I have stuff where it's useful for me where it's in my workflow is good and then then I think it it does make sense to sort of like sanitize everything and disinfect everything and just clean clean everything and you know you you do notice like oh my god there's there really isn't a period in this document like in the middle of no in the in the in the margin it's my my monitor is dirty so I don't know Tom your thoughts on getting yourself a clean and happy desk well, so let's split that up a little bit because when I think – I don't necessarily think of the right setup for the desk. I think that's an anytime move. But I think that the one thing that you didn't mention there and the one thing that I think that many lawyers, especially if uh, it may be their home office, but it may be their, their office office, uh, is that lawyers are still uh, – slaves to paper more than they would like to be and desktops tend to be full of paper. My father throughout his entire career had stacks of paper so high and his comment was always I can I always know exactly where to find what I need to find. Um, and what's interesting is he's 92 years old, he's at home, he has a desk, it has stayed full of big stacks of paper until maybe the last 3 weeks where suddenly it's become mysteriously clean and I about fell out when I saw it and I was just amazed that he's been cleaning it up the older he gets. So maybe he's he's understanding. So get that paper and clean it up. Those paper piles are not useful to you. Digitize if necessary. Get rid of the old stuff. So get rid of all that. And then I have, I don't, Dennis, is this the right time to talk about cleaning your equipment? Because I think that cleaning peripherals and devices and things, there are very specific rules around those. I don't know if we want to, if we want to cover those things in more detail or. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that now. Go ahead. So, I mean, your keyboard, your mouse, your screen, they tend to be the biggest germ magnets, the biggest dirt magnets that you have. And, um, I think that when you clean them, uh, I think cleaning them on a regular basis, again, don't wait till spring, you need to know, I think it's more important to know what not to use on these devices than what to use. And, and frankly, uh, just good old soap and water is going to work on many of these better than anything else. I mean, with your computer screen, using Windex or other certain cleaners is the fastest way to remove some of the coating from the screen and making it 
useless. Uh, so you don't want to do that. Um, and then the safest way really is to use, I'm a big fan of microfiber cloths. I bought a bunch of them from Amazon and I've got a whole stack in the, in the closet that I use microfiber constantly. It doesn't leave lint and just use simple water. You don't need anything more than that. You know, and, and frankly, my best tip is, is that if you're in doubt, if you don't know what to use, if you, some people say to use rubbing alcohol or other things, go to the website of the company that manufactured your screen. They will always have instructions on how to clean their own devices. So learn from them. They'll, they'll do the best advice that you can have there. With a keyboard, I think uh, the first and easiest way to clean your keyboard um, and probably the grossest thing to do is just turn it upside down and give it a good shake and see what happens. It, again, depends on the kind of keyboard that you have. My, the new keyboard that I have, the Logitech, it doesn't have a lot of spaces in between the keys or under the keys. It, it doesn't look like it gets very dirty underneath there. But if you have the kind of keyboard where you can remove the keys, I've seen a lot of, and, and, and frankly, the mechanical keyboards, a lot of people are using those, um, you will want to remove those keycaps and, uh, and clean underneath them and use, again, good old soap and water, get, a, get a, either a microfiber cloth or get some uh, cotton swabs, Q-tips or things like that uh, to get that debris underneath them. There are keyboard brushes. Go on Amazon and look for some keyboard brushes. Um, one of the cool things that I've seen, I've never used it, but it's, it appears to be cool, although it also appears a little bit gross, is something called keyboard gel where you can buy this gel and you just will, it's, it's kind of like the slime of the old days. Those of you who might remember slime from 30 years ago, um, you just put it on your keyboard and it literally will suck up all the dirt that's on there. I don't know how it cleans itself. I don't know if it cleans itself. So that's why I'm not quite sure about how long I want to keep that sort of thing. Um, and then the mouse is really making sure that that sensor is clean, making sure that whatever's on the bottom, depending on what kind of mouse you have, you know, most mice these days have some sort of sort of laser or other kind of optical sensor, making sure that that's clean. But, but again, microfiber cloth, cotton swab, water, maybe a little bit of soap. But um, you don't need to go overboard with chemicals or fancy cleaning tools to get any of that clean. I love the idea of keeping uh, some microfiber towels, towelettes, whatever you want to call them, around. And then that I also think that in our in our Zoom era, the number of things that can get dirty have has really expanded quite a bit. So, you know, I'm I'm sort of looking around at what I have. You know, several microphones, couple couple of webcams, you know, other things like that. And those are other things that it makes sense to clean, especially uh, microphones. Those of you who remember back to days when we actually had uh, phones like on our desk that had wires attached to them. Remember like when people got around, if you took somebody's office, especially at the new job, you would find that, oh my God, that the... Uh, that receiver was so filthy. Uh, so, you know, I think you pay attention to that. And then there are the other per peripherals for those of you who are over the age of about 30 who still uh, have printers. Those things can actually get pretty dirty. And that's they, it's not something you need to do on a regular basis unless you're, uh, you know, just have this thing that says just wipe everything down, you know, once a week or something like that. But uh, those can go, those can get pretty 
pretty dirty as well. So um, I just, you know, I think there's a number of things too there. I was intrigued. I didn't try it. Time that Amazon thing that you saw with the the gel stuff for the same reason you did. I didn't know whether it was like a one-time use or, or whatever, but, uh, you know, the keyboard and mice is the stuff you touch, your phone, plenty of stories about how, how you need to clean clean your phone and so so take that to heart and and i think this is that like i said the spring impetus kind of gives you the chance to think about that do some of that and then put together this this schedule uh so you don't have to like spend the whole day cleaning your tech anymore you can just say here's a once a day here's a once a week here's a once a month sort of a schedule the next thing for me, Tom, but I'll let you jump in on this, is is uh, just cleaning up the hard drives and uh, and I guess cloud space as well uh, falls into this. But your drives and folders, uh, which I think we could do a whole show on. Where do you find the biggest bang for the buck on doing that type of cleanup? I want to take a quick step back because you mentioned something that I hadn't put in my notes, but it triggered a memory from the middle of the COVID lockdown, and that was that's talking about the phone because back then, all over the news was you know your phone is your biggest vec one of your biggest vectors to have the COVID virus, and you want to make sure that you're sanitizing your phone all the time. And I think we probably talked about it on the podcast back then. And, and I bought a tool called Phone Soap, where you can put your phone in, and it will use UV to get bacteria and viruses and airborne germs and all of that stuff. And I used it religiously whenever I went out. Every time I went out, I'd come back and I'd clean it because we all had, at the time, we had no idea what was going on with the virus. And uh, I haven't used it in probably two years now. It's, it's, I don't even know if it works anymore. I went to go look at the website. They're still there, but I never hear, I never see stories about disinfecting your phone these days. So it's an interesting, it doesn't seem like it's as, it's probably still important. There's probably still a lot of germs. I mean, I, journalists do articles on how uh, what's on your phone is, is got more germs than what's in a toilet, believe that or not. But uh, anyway, enough about phones. Coming back to the hard drive, you know, my question there, Dennis, is, is that, you know, cleaning up your hard drive, what does the biggest bang for your buck mean? I mean, to me, like good information governance, I would think about the documents that I have on my hard drive and that I know I do not need to keep. You know, is it, do I need to go to my oldest records and look at them? You know, one of the things that I do, again, not related to spring cleaning is every January, I go and I get rid of the oldest set of financial records that I have. I keep, you know, somewhere around seven to 10 years worth of financial records. And at the, at, at the beginning of the year, I make a new folder for the current year and I get rid of everything that's 10 years old. Um, and this is one of those areas where I generally go through things slowly because I got a lot of files. Uh, we all have a lot of files, but I don't want to do a cleanup all at once. So I kind of just take the lazy person's route to doing it. And this is all personal. This is not your work cleanup. And I, I'm not sure how to, you know, to, to talk about a work cleanup because uh, we all manage things differently. And we're probably using content management systems and things like that. But I really just, you know, again, it's a weekend activity. I open up a folder and, uh, and get it clean. And then next weekend, I'll move on to the next folder or two weeks from now or whenever I get to it. But um, I don't really have a big plan for my hard drive. It's just kind of an ongoing process. Yeah. And so I'm looking at changing my approach um, and going to, uh, because I kept, there are certain documents that I want to, are in files I want to, that I tend to reuse. And 
I went to just like uh, yearly folders plus search. And what I'm going to try to do, but it's going to take discipline, is to go to yearly folders plus tags plus search. Um, and so I have this whole new set of, of tags. But those are some of the things where you say, uh, I might just look at my hard drive and say, does the organizational system that I have now, does it make sense? Is the system I'm using... On the local hard drives, the same thing that I'm using in a cloud file storage service. And also, I would say the other thing is, am I backing up either everything that I think I'm, I should be backing up, or am I backing up too much, or am I backing up too little? That's something you can you can take this time to to take a look at. And for me, it just gave me this this chance to say, okay, I've been thinking about redoing like files and folders, this gives me the impetus to do that. What are you using to tag? What or what are you going to use to tag files and or folders? Although you've forbidden me from uh, talking about GPT-4, I actually just asked GPT-4 to suggest a bunch of tags. And then I went through it and I said, this one makes sense for me, this one doesn't. N- and then- That's not my question, though. My question is how? How are you going to tag? What what tool are you going to use to tag these things? Oh, so I, in, um, I'm going totally, uh, totally simple on this. So it's in on the Mac, in the Finder, I'm using the Finder tags, just the tags ah, that are built okay. into so there. So folks, this is a Mac-only tip because not capable in Windows of tagging files on your on your hard drive. So what I'm going to say, in Windows, you can do it, but I believe the term there is categories, and I'm looking at that because I have to set up two similar but different sets of tags, uh, one for my work uh, Windows laptop and one for my home Mac uh, with a little bit of overlap. So that makes me different than than, than some people I know, but, but I believe that when I looked at the suggestions on this, it's um, in the sort of properties in categories is where I can do something similar to, to tagging in Windows. You can do that in the individual, well, we, we, we're getting off track, so I won't talk about it too long, but you can do it on individual files in Word and Excel and Outlook and things like that, but not sure we'll have to, I'll have to learn more about any Windows categories. Anyway, I think much, much easier and much more intuitive in Mac um, than in Windows. I just think it's a little bit harder that way. But you have to build it into, you have to build discipline because you have to, because you're taking on this task of saying like, if I want to go back and tag every document I've ever done since the beginning of time, that's like in monumental work. So you have to make some decisions about that. And then I can already tell that you do have to figure out a way uh, to discipline yourself or, uh, you know, come up with some kind of approach that where you remember to tag everything as you save it. All right. We've been talking for a while here, folks, so we need to take a break. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. InfoTrack, the same company that simplifies your e-filing and process serving, is right now preparing Legal Up 2024, a free and fully virtual event for legal professionals. Learn new skills from experts around the industry. Meet fellow legal professionals from around the country. And tune into the latest and greatest trends and happenings from the comfort of your home or office. Join InfoTrack and One Legal on April 24th and 25th and see why 99.9% of legal professionals recommend this virtual conference. Register now at InfoTrack.com slash LegalUp. 
filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. And we are back. Tom, what else is on your list? Well, I think that, um, you know, you, when we, if, to kind of round out the hard drive issue, do one of the things on how full is your hard drive is one thing to think about. Used to be the time, I don't know how many you remember, when we would have to defragment our hard drive and because and the files got defragmented. Well, that's something now that happens all behind the scenes and we don't have to worry about that so much anymore. But I, but I will say, I think that getting rid of junk on your hard drive is largely something that you can automate these days. I, I know I have a, my, my desktop computer at home is a Dell computer, and it has an automated program that runs that gets rid of everything in the deleted files folder. It gets rid of all cache files. It gets rid of all temporary files. It knows exactly what to get, and it just runs automatically. And I would set something like that up um, to, to have that happen. Just don't worry about that. Those are files you never care about seeing, you don't need to worry about. So just have a, have a tool do it, whether it's something built in to your 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 natively built into your computer or it's a, a tool that you download yeah so uh i think that a lot of times i've found and i think other people found this too when you start to notice that your computer is not performing very well and surprising amount of the time that that's happening you you can see that you have a hard drive that's almost completely full and so it's it's good to keep clear space on there it's less of a problem these days uh, because hard drives are are usually so big, but that's something to look at, and it's just a part of I think just good uh, you know hard drive and and storage hygiene. There's a couple of other things that that came up on the recommendation list uh, that I, I think are worth mentioning, Tom. But it, there are things that uh, you and I, uh, in several cases, already do, and so. You know, the updates, uh, making sure your, all your programs are updated. I do that religiously, so that's that's not even a consideration for me of cleaning, but that's a common recommendation that you see password using a password manager or updating passwords. Again, you know, Tom and I use password managers and, and um, you know, highly, highly, highly recommend that. So um, that can be... It may not be that you're actually cleaning those things, but you you take advantage of this time to to uh, deal with those. And then the other thing that uh, I noticed is that we have a you know typically you have all these cables, chargers, other sorts of things that have been around forever, and you say like at some point like why do I need like eight USB uh, uh, chargers? And you can start to get rid of some of that stuff as well. 
And so here's how I would look at some of those things. With password management, I actually do think about it in terms of cleaning up because how many websites do you no longer use anymore? Or how many things do you not have that you still have the password stuck somewhere in your password manager? I never want to think about the day that my password manager gets hacked. But at the same time, if I don't need it in there, why use it? So I will occasionally, there's a, you know, most good password managers have security checks on them. And you just run a security check and that will help you see passwords that are old, passwords that haven't been changed in a long time. And then you can segregate that list down and just say, you know what? I don't go to that site anymore. Get rid of it. Don't put it in the password manager anymore. Um, when it comes to, Dennis talks about cables and chargers, let's go farther. Do you have old technology that you can get rid of? Do you have phones or uh, keyboards or laptops or tablets or things that you're not using anymore? You've probably heard me talk a lot about getting rid of old devices that I have. I am a religious user of, I used to use Gazelle a lot. Gazelle is a place where you can sell your technology. The, the site that I use lately is a site called It's Worth More. The reason why I like It's Worth More is they uh, will buy back almost anything. They'll buy all sorts of Android devices, all sorts of Windows devices, all sorts of iOS devices. It's probably the most inclusive or the, the biggest selection of things you can sell uh, that you can sell to them. And then if you can't sell it and make some money off of it, e-cycle it. Don't just throw it out. You know, uh, our local Best Buy is a great place to go and they will just take it off your hands and give you a, a tax donation form if you want to uh, get some sort of deduction for it. But uh, uh, you know, especially if it has a hard drive or a battery or something that can uh, potentially uh, be harmful to uh, wherever it gets put placed, take it to a, a, an organization that will uh, safely get rid of it and uh, make sure that it's not harming anybody. Yeah, I mean, the keyboard thing, what I find is interesting is we do tend to accumulate those and we also tend to let them wear out. I had this happen recently. There was, in some ways, no better feeling than, you know, when you say, I I bought a new keyboard and this uh, this A that was almost worn off doesn't exist anymore. It's like fresh <laughs> and, and fresh and new. And so, you know, you get you can eliminate that that wear and tear. So I, I think there those those to me are 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 some big ones, uh, but I think there's time and some of this stuff as we start to think about what to do, uh, you know, rather than specifics. I think we're we're back to our old uh, old approach of saying like you, you, it it makes sense to sit down and audit and inventory what you have. Uh, I think in addition to the password manager thing of stuff you don't use, I think you can save money by looking at these services that you've, you bought and you're, they're being charged every month that you no longer use. And then I think you're also looking at um, not just what to clean, but as Tom talked about, like what to replace, like when is it that I need to buy a new computer? When is it that I need to get a new printer? What, you know, if, if I'm using something that's not updated anymore, do I need to buy something else? And is it time to get rid of it? And I think that's also part of the this kind of overall cleaning process. Well, I've got some, some examples there. So there are a number of apps that are out there that you can download and they are 
I believe they are free to use and then they charge you a certain amount based on what you want to do with them. But one of them is called Rocket Money. It used to be called Truebill. One of them is called Trim. I put the links in the show notes and they will actually uh, search out subscriptions that you have. So wherever you have subscriptions, you may have forgotten. And it may not just be tech subscriptions, but any subscription. You may dis- discover that you are subscribed to Hulu and Paramount Plus and Disney and Apple and all of these services and you didn't realize you're paying all that money. Um, it's a great way to clean out unused subscriptions. But and then the only la- the last thing I'll use from a spe- uh, mention from a specific standpoint is uh, we haven't really talked about what's on your phone. Uh, it's it is one of the nice things that uh, Google does on my phone now is is that it will remove all the permissions for apps that I don't use very often. It won't let those apps take uh, access stuff on my phone because I'm not using it. But I like to go a little bit further. I occasionally just go through my list of apps and I go, do I use this? Does this spark joy for me? I Marie Kondo the whole thing and I go, do I really want to keep it or not? And I'll get rid of those apps. I, I had so many apps that I've not used in years or months. Um, why keep it on there? So those are, those are, I'm kind of all out of uh, specific examples. Do we want to kind of wrap it up on best tips for how to get started and how to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think that to follow up on what you said, this is something I like to do is, is this, this uh, look at what you use the most. And I think the phone is a great place for this just to say, well, on that home screen, what do I really want to put on there? Like, am I, if I'm always kind of scrolling through some pages to find an app that I use, let's move it to where, where I get to it. And then as part of that, you can say, these things I don't use, I just get them off the phone to, to clear up space. Same thing for people who use the desktop as a place to put a whole bunch of icons, another good time to do that. So I think that uh, to me, it's sort of like uh, pains and gains, you know, kind of that's my tip is like you, you look at this stuff, you say, what's caused me pain? It's like your spark joy thing. And if I did this, then what are the benefits that I get from it? You know, well-organized desktop, uh, you know, good workflows. And then then I think it, it does become uh, to say, let's make a plan. And, and in, you know, I think this is actually a decent use of GPT-4 to get you started to say, uh, let's make a plan. Here's the cleaning. Here's the maintenance. Here's the routine stuff I need to do. Divide that into a daily, weekly, monthly plan. And it will give you a decent first draft to get you started. Um, and you can work with that. And then, um, time not to steal your thunder, but to go back to what you said, I think it, that you say, like, this shouldn't be something that I do every now and then. What I need to do is to say the stuff that's important, I need to turn it into a regular to-do item. Um, and so it's just something that, that just happens uh, because it shows up on my list of things to do. And I think that about wraps it up. So... Let's move on to our next segment. But before we do that, we'll take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. 
The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We're both big fans of the tools like Editor and Designer that Microsoft has built into Word and PowerPoint. And we're fascinated, as in we can't wait to to, uh, see the new AI functionality Microsoft will be adding to Microsoft 365 tools soon. We thought we'd talk a bit about what we like, what you might want to try, and what we might like to see in the future. Tom, do you want to lead us off? Well, I hope I don't steal your thunder here and talk about only what I wanted to talk about, but I'm generally more interested in the what's coming than what's currently here. Although I will say that one of the things that I've noticed in the Microsoft apps that I'm using is from an AI standpoint, it is getting so much better at autocomplete. It is that when I am typing something, it will suggest things for me that it understands from the way that I type and the way that I write. And it is making typing a lot easier for me initially, which I think is is really, I could swear they're learning my writing style somehow. And that doesn't totally bother me. What I do want to talk about is, and I mentioned this as my parting shot a couple of episodes ago, is Copilot. Copilot is the official name for all of the myriad of AI tools that are coming to Microsoft 365. It's part of uh, Microsoft's alliance with ChatGPT, uh, with with the Open uh, Open AI and uh, ChatGPT, and they are, to put it mildly, baking artificial intelligence into basically every part of Microsoft 365. We've been talking. Uh, some would say ad nauseum about how generative AI can help us to be better in creating content and managing the content that we create ourselves. And the office suite of tools was sort of tailor-made for content creation. And so here are a couple of examples that are kind of exciting to me uh, that you should be able to do in Copilot when it's released later I think it's later this year. For example, in Word, it'll work a lot just like ChatGPT. You can ask it something. It will give you a first draft to edit and further develop. Um, You know, if you're a writer, if you're working on a blog post, if you're working on something, there's no more, you know, plain white screen to stare stare out waiting for inspiration. You can have Word actually create the first draft for you. In Outlook, you can have Copilot draft automated responses to emails you get frequently where, you know, you can do that right now, obviously, with, uh, with Outlook, but this is actually telling a tool to do it. You can type in, in an email, you can type in just the words add, add topic, and Copilot will try to find other relevant topic in the Microsoft 365 world. It'll go look at your documents. It'll go look at emails and other things to try to find more information to add to your email. I personally, the part that I'm most excited about is the Teams version, um, because it's going to automatically summarize your meetings and provide action items from the meetings. And that's really exciting to me. There are tools that can do that. I like the fact that it's going to happen uh, within Microsoft automatically. Um, You can take notes from a meeting and you can ask Copilot to generate a proposal from it. Or you can take that proposal in Word and ask Copilot to generate a proposal 
presentation deck in PowerPoint. Um, you know, micro, it's interesting when Microsoft has announced that they they are being, I think, uh, hope, hopefully appropriately cautious about this, saying the company says sometimes Copilot will be right, sometimes usefully wrong. I like that term, usefully wrong. I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's a, a nice hedge that they have. But it will always put you further ahead, and that's the part that interests me the most. Those, that's what's sort of interesting and exciting, what I'm looking forward to the most, Dennis. How about you? Well, I think uh, I was just thinking about usefully wrong because that's that's what I like about uh, the GPT world is that um, I think it's really good as like a first pass on things. And so some things are going to be right. Some things are going to be wrong, but it's it's truly useful. So what I like in the Microsoft world is already there. It's the editor uh, function in Word, which it just seems to get more and more features. And designer in PowerPoint, which will put together slides for you and put graphics on them and give you consistency and place uh, place fonts. You know, choose the fonts, place things where they need to be, center slides, all that sort of stuff. It's so functional. And if you happen to uh, to go back to an older version of Word, which sometimes happens, um, it's kind of sad that you don't have those tools. And I think that uh, those tools could actually, and and the the, uh, the coming AI tools will kind of really push from users their uh, their employers to move to those newer versions and enable those those features because they're so useful. Uh, the editor function, like I said, in Word. Not just spelling, not just grammar. Will the style will make allow you to make changes, tone, other things like that. It's super functional. I really enjoy that. I like to see uh, Tom. You, you gave some great examples, but one thing that I'm looking at now is to say, could I take a spreadsheet and let's just say the easy illustration is, could I, if I were doing like a household budget or my investments, could I take a spreadsheet and uh, in Excel and have an AI tool kind of put together the charts for me or to to kind of in plain language give me insights about those numbers or recommendations or other things like that. And I think that's a fascinating world that I, I would expect to see there. So and, and I think the big thing is for me, it's, it will give us this sort of baked in AI on demand and we'll just find more and more uses for it. And one of the hidden things that I think is where we look at where AI might benefit uh, people who have uh, disabilities or other issues or even can't type very fast, uh, which I fall into that category, is that to use these tools to, to type up a first draft um, is insanely fast. Um, and that may be an unexpected benefit that we get from that. So now it's time for our party shots at one tip website or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Okay, we've been talking a lot about AI in this uh, in this episode, like usual. Let's see if one of us can get through our parting shots without mentioning AI. Uh, that'll be me. So, uh, I'm, but I am going to stick with Microsoft. I recently spoke at a conference where um, I was not sure whether or not I was going to be given a computer or a projector that had a VGA connector, that had an HDMI connector. I wasn't sure what I was going to have, and so I've, I have a I have several adapters, but I I didn't know that I had all of them. Um, 
come to find the Microsoft USB-C Travel Hub. It is an amazing adapter. It has adapters for USB-C, USB-A, VGA, gigabit Ethernet, and an HDMI 2.0 port with 4K video. So it has everything. Anything that you need to present with, anything that you might need to plug into your computer, it is there. It is the most awesome tool. I bring it everywhere that I go, and it always has value or use to me. Um, it's right now, I think it's it, I, it, it usually goes in the Microsoft Store for 99 bucks. It's on sale right now for 75 I definitely recommend it. Microsoft USB-C Travel Hub. Yeah, having, having a device like that is so handy uh, when you're uh, in places where you don't know what you're going to be able to connect to a projector with. So my tip is a two-parter, and I've heeded uh, Tom's warning and decided not to talk about AI or oh, GPT at, at all. I scared him away from it. So the first one is go ahead and spend the $20 a month on ChatGPT+. It's totally <laughs> worth it. it. You don't get the delays. You can use GPT-4 rather than GPT-3 or 3.5 uh, much more easily, and that's great. Um, the other tip, again, another not on AI tool is that sometimes people say, wouldn't it be cool if uh, ChatGPT could write in my style? And you try to figure out how to do that. Well, here's the tip on this. You take some of your writing that's like of a moderate size, let's say like less than a thousand words. So an article you've written or something like that, put it into, into GPT, ChatGPT, and uh, say, describe the style of this article and it will spit out about a paragraph of what the style is. Then you just copy that and then you say, now write a new article about X in the following style. And then you copy in that description of your style and you will be surprised at how much what comes out uh, sounds like you. Um, and it's a simple and easy way to experiment with that style approach. And it's one way that you could do a thing where uh, you could say, I, in my work, uh, for my transmittal letters, other things like that, I can get the same style in what I'm doing. And I get the benefits of using GPT to generate those things. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, on the Legal Talk Network site, or in your favorite podcast app. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. We are occasionally, Dennis Moore than I, available on Twitter. Or remember, we still want your voicemail. Please leave us a voicemail. We'd love to talk to you, and we'd love to feature your question during our B segment. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>